we just saved our money. Uh, had a small deposit. I believe it was about 20000 at the time. My personal goal has always been to own a supercar, uh, so a Lamborghini, Ferrari, those types of things. Being um, frugal, I guess, is a good word. Uh, that was very difficult uh, for her to accept. Um, you know, friends were buying new cars and going on holidays and they've been to Europe and been to the US and all those sorts of things. And I was sort of... Um, putting all those things on the back burner and just saying look you know one day we'll be able to do that and it'll be very comfortable it'll be much easier you know in the later years you know sort of um you know obviously we're in a pretty comfortable position now where we could go on a trip and it's not a financial strain and we could probably do a trip a bit more comfortable than our friends were doing in their early 20s i just uh had this drive to get that car I just couldn't accept failure. It was, it's, for me, it's not an option. It's a must. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires and Build podcast. This is episode number 260. This week we've got a really exciting guest. His name's Tyson. He's an electrician for the government and his wife works in retail. He's a net worth of $1.3 million. That's US because he is joining us from Australia. Super excited to have him. Great lessons, great conversation. Last week, we had a bunch of updates with several millionaires, the most recent one being Vlad. He had a net worth of $1.1 million. He's an immigrant. A remarkable story that you do not want to miss. We've had a, a, a couple requests over over the years, but recently had had it come in again to compile a list. You know, millionaires come on this podcast and and various guests, and the thing that they say that's worth spending the most money on is experiences. And so, and the most common answer of things to not spend money on is things. So we've had this request come in a couple times and it's come in again recently to compile a list of experiences that have been most valuable to millionaires. So if you'd like to participate, send us an email, millionairesinveil.gmail.com. Give us a list of you know the top two or three experiences that, that you've paid for that you thought were worth it. And we'll start to kind of put this together uh, for everyone's benefit more or less. Once again, if you'd like to be on the show, send us an email, millionairesinveil at gmail.com. We've got several great guests coming up here in the, uh, in the, sh- in the short term here in the fall and in through the uh, new year, but always looking for new guests. So uh, without any further delay, let's get into the interview with Tyson. Tyson, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're up to now? Uh, yep. So basically, uh, I'm an electrician for the government. My wife's in retail. We purchased our first property at the age of 22. We basically started uh, with just a small deposit. And by the age of 28, we had achieved the million dollars net worth, trying to build on that since then. So what is your net worth today? Uh, currently sitting at $1.8 million. Australian. So just for our listeners right now, that's roughly 1.3. So Tyson, you're an electrician, your wife's in retail, got 1.8 Australian. How is that broken up? Uh, so mostly in real estate, uh, which is how we started. Currently in real estate, we have approximately 1.9 
worth of real estate and about 300 yeah about 350 360,000 in Australian shares uh, and a few other like our retirement accounts which are at about 240,000 a few other smaller uh, small things crypto uh, some gold silver how much do you have in crypto and, and gold and silver uh, gold and silver at the moment uh, I did just make a purchase recently so I should be at about eighteen thousand dollars in gold and silver uh, that's physical and in crypto currently sitting at about twenty three thousand how come you started putting some money into gold and silver and crypto um, crypto was sort of started with that. You know, trying to hit big, I guess, like everyone when it sort of started. <laughs> Going to the moon? Yeah, that's it, of course. Uh, unfortunately, mine's gone nowhere, basically. I've put in about 20000 and I'm at about 23000 so I haven't really done anything out of that. Gold was, for me, just sort of start on just hedging against inflation, I guess. Yeah, obviously, it's not an income-producing asset. Uh, it's more just uh, a store of value, so hopefully it can uh, retain that over time did you start acquiring that right when you started your professional career no actually gold and silver for me is pretty recent uh started purchasing uh, probably around about a year and a half ago started to accumulate some okay the real estate how is that broken up what is what walk us through each deal i guess that you started to to accumulate that real estate portfolio okay so our first property um as i said that was at the age of 22 uh, we're now both 34. That was 260000 at the time. We bought that with the intention of it one day becoming an investment property. Uh, so we lived in that at the time because uh, we get uh, benefits in Australia if we choose to live in our first property. We then purchased uh, two units in the time that we were living there. And those were three hundred around 340000 each, one of which we actually went halves with another family member. And then our largest uh, property asset, we purchased three years after purchasing our first property, which was a house that we intended on living in forever. We've since moved out of there, but our intention was to live there forever. And that one we purchased for about 488000 Um, So currently, our first property that we purchased for two hundred and sixty is now roughly worth about $530,000, um, so practically double. Uh, one of the units which we still own that we paid about 340000 for is currently worth about 540000 Uh The other unit that we purchased with a family member, we sold out of that one. And the house that we purchased uh, for 480000 is currently around 830000 Wow, so you've got some pretty substantial property appreciation in the last five, six years. Yeah, definitely. Are all of those units rented? Uh, yeah, all of our properties are tenanted. And do they cash flow? Uh, yeah, they're all positive. Interesting. Do you have any desire to pull some of the equity out and go continue acquiring more properties, or is that not something that's typically done in Australia? Uh, yeah, it's definitely something that we've tried to do. Uh, we've been limited by the banks, uh, not willing to lend more money. We've been trying to purchase another property for quite a few years now, and every time we've tried to purchase uh they basically tell us that we're at our lending limit, although we feel very comfortable with uh, paying the mortgages that we have, and we feel that we could definitely uh, take on more. Um, that's actually why we started investing in shares, because the banks were limiting us from uh, accessing more property. All right. Well, first of all, Tyson, cool accent, right? It's fun to have people in Australia. I feel like we've had more than any other country uh, people from Australia, right, Chase? Yeah. So fun to get that. So let me, let's me let talk real estate here. So you got 
of the of your net worth, you have about 1.9 equity or excuse me, 1. Point, let's see, what do you have? 1.9 value of the of the real estate, 1.1 in debt. So you've got about 800,000 of your net worth is in equity. So you're about 60% levered, right? That's pretty low at least in terms of US, right? I mean, pretty good to be at 60%. So but you said you have problems getting more? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the banks just don't seem to be willing to lend they're pretty um they've, they've changed a lot of the rules and regulations around uh lending because of obviously the risk of people defaulting on loans so, yeah we've been trying but just haven't been successful at the moment yeah so how'd the start i know jay's just asked you that but i'm thinking starting even before what you answered in terms of why real estate and where did you get the money to buy the first one yeah, so the money to get the first one basically came from saving uh you know we both uh, had jobs um, you know, I've always been an electrician. My wife's always been in retail. So we just saved our money. Uh, had a small deposit. I believe it was about 20000 at the time. My personal goal <laughs> has always been to own a supercar. Uh, so a Lamborghini, Ferrari, those types of things. And I basically just started by doing research on how people afford cars like that without working in like a professional capacity where you know, CEOs of companies and those types of things. So I figured it had to be done. Uh, you know, people do it other ways. Property seemed to be a pretty obvious one in Australia. Obviously, probably most of your interviewees from Australia, I would say, are probably in property. Uh, it's definitely a um, pretty big deal in Australia to invest in property. It's just something that people feel comfortable with. You know, it's something you can touch. It's tangible and yeah, everyone's sort of comfortable with it, I guess. Yeah, so so that first deal, walk us through it. How much did you put down on it? Uh, so we, we would use our 20,000 uh, deposit that we had saved. Um, also, being our first home at the time, the government uh, gave us $14,000 towards it. Um, they also waive uh, stamp duty fees, which would have been around $20,000. So that, that fee gets waived. We get the extra 14000 from the government and our $20,000 that we had saved at the time. Yeah, so the $260,000 property after fees and uh, real estate fees and that basically becomes a, a $230,000 mortgage. So why, why do they waive those fees? Uh, it's just to encourage uh, young people, I guess, starting out help them buy a first property. So you have to be, you have to have what, like a certain net worth or be a certain age to qualify or... Uh, it's basically just your first property purchase. As long as it's your first purchase in Australia and your intention is to live in it for at least six months within the first 12 months, yeah, they basically waive stamp duty fees and sometimes provide um, yeah, a bit of cash towards the deal, basically. Okay, interesting. So maybe in the US it's comparable to an FHA, not really because you're not really waiving the fees, but at least that's what they're trying to do to incentivize people to give a little bit more leverage on a first home purchase. And so how many units now do you have? Uh, one unit, uh, one townhouse, and one house. So three total? Yeah, three. And, and how, much, how much together did those cash flow a month? Give or take. Are we talking like a few hundred dollars a month? or Maybe if I just explain the rent. So the townhouse rents for about 440 a week. Uh, the unit rents for approximately the same. About 445 a week is the unit. And our house is currently getting 600 a week of that. So the mortgage that's attached to the townhouse is costing currently about 500 a month. The mortgage attached to the unit is currently costing about 800 a month. And mortgage attached to the house is about uh, 
550 a month. All right. So you got some nice cash flow on that, especially on the one that you said you rent for $600 a week, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That yeah. pretty good. So is the goal here to just keep buying more real estate? We're definitely trying to purchase more. At the moment, uh, my wife's not working. Uh, so the banks have basically said that they won't lend any money uh, at all at the moment due to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is understandable. But yeah, we definitely uh, got things in the works trying to get that across the line, the next property purchase, which will be interstate. We plan on purchasing probably in Queensland. Uh, it just tends to be cheaper than New South Wales and good rental yields. So it seems like... You know, if you take the equity of your real estate, well, first of all, it seems like you like real estate, right? So if you take the equity of your real estate, you're actually pretty split here, maybe 60-40 real estate to stock market on your net worth, right? Yep. You have about, what is it, 550000 or so in the market, which is whatever, 300, 350 USD. So does it entice you at all to pull that money out of the market and take it and buy more real estate? To be honest, I've actually been thinking about doing the opposite, <laughs> uh, considering selling uh, property to put into the market kind of like i said due to the banks not uh being able to lend us any money we've started investing in the market a bit more and i like the fact that there's no holding costs when investing in stocks uh where obviously with property you've got uh land rates and fees and real estate fees where holding holding shares there's no holding costs but no then that doesn't com- that doesn't create your passive income to buy your lamborghini yeah well we've got pretty <laughs> good uh dividend yields in australia so it's actually not too bad. It's pretty easy to get 5% or more uh, dividend return in Australia. So, yeah. So so the 550, what, what is it invested in? The uh, stock market money, that is. Yeah, so mostly ETFs and some what we call listed investment companies or would be like a maybe a managed fund type uh, investment. Uh, a couple of single stocks, but that was more purchases that I'd made early on uh, with less knowledge. Um, I sort of wish that I probably started with um, exchange-traded funds or listed investment companies. But fortunately, the single stocks have done okay. So let me ask you, Tyson, about the retirement accounts there. How how does it work there? I mean, obviously, in the U.S. here, we have Roth and traditional, right, post and pre-tax accounts. What do you have there? How is it all set up? Basically, money that is put in by your employer. Uh, So we actually haven't really put much into ours at all. Uh, It's all employers' contributions. Uh, The government mandates that they put in, I think it's now changed to 10% of our income. Wow, Um, 10% annually? That's right, yeah. That's a good. That's good. That's just an extra ten percent pay bump, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's awesome. And we basically, I think we've got both of those accounts at the moment uh, in high growth. Okay. And and does that money? Do you have an option on on whether that retirement money grows tax free or not? Um, it is tax free. So we basically get a fifteen percent tax saving on that money when it goes in. Uh, we don't pay the full tax rate. Uh, and when we get it out at our uh, like retirement age or. Uh, what do we call it? Preservation age. It, it is tax-free. And and what age is that? There's requirements probably right on, on when you yeah. can touch that money. Yeah, I think it changes every time depending on how the government feels about it. Um, but at the <laughs> moment, I believe it's 67. 67 right now. Yeah. All right. So it's 59 and a half in the U.S. So you're a little bit higher. Yeah. There's some people that might not make it to 67. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'd personally don't really like it. Uh, to be honest, I'd rather the money and invest it myself. Yeah. So Tyson, tell us your story here. How'd this all start? I mean, how did you start learning and getting involved in personal finance? So I started as an apprentice electrician uh, at the age of 17 uh, for a government organization. Uh, I've basically been with them the whole my whole career and obviously always been into cars. I've had a couple of Skylines, uh, which are very common in Australia. And 
just always aspired to have you know a supercar like a Lamborghini or Ferrari or those types of things and really just did as much research as I could as to how that would be achievable so I've looked into almost every investment type that there is basically just Google did a lot of reading in the early days before we'd even purchased a property and um, after looking at everything like investing in business and investing in shares uh, I did play around with shares a little bit in the early days but didn't fully understand it so I got out uh, fortunately I made money uh, out of that deal and then just I honestly seen property as the only way to be honest in Australia it's obviously something that everyone's very comfortable with and yeah I thought that would be the only way and then since the banks obviously putting restrictions on us that sort of forced me to move to the stock market still aspiring to get that supercar but haven't purchased one yet yeah just trying to build up that passive income and I've also become familiar with the fire movement which is uh something that sort of goes against owning a supercar but if we can build enough passive income to support the habit that would be awesome <laughs> you're, you're right it does right i was just about to say that said he got he got these all these competing uh goals man i freaking love it it's great so let me ask you first of all in, in australia can you invest in the stocks and stock market outside of you know what would be considered retirement accounts yeah so that's basically about three hundred sixty thousand of our stock investments are outside of any retirement accounts so it's completely under our control um inside the investment accounts it's uh up to the government to change the rules and push back the preservation age and is why i don't really like it so 360 grand in those accounts i mean that's 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 enough for your supercar, right? That's right. Yeah, it is. It's very hard not to uh, sell out and go buy one. <laughs> so, at, at what point do you feel like you're going to be able or ready to go strike that that purchase for that Ferrari or Lamborghini? I think if I can replace my income with passive income, I feel like that would be a good time to yeah go and make that purchase. And how far away do you think you are from that? Probably forty to forty, fifty thousand dollars a year in passive income. I'd need to increase. Okay, so you got a few more years. Do you, do you have that car picked out? I mean, is that sitting on your dream board that you're looking at in terms of motivating you every day? Nah, just I'm too much of a car enthusiast. I honestly don't even know what I will purchase when I have the time and money to do it. Too hard to pick. Have Have you gone and test drove, touched them, feel them, make sure it's the one you want to to motivate yeah, you, or is it just? I have. I've yeah. Driven a few Lamborghinis and Ferraris, and obviously I've been very fortunate to be able to do that because it's not something that everyone gets to do. But um, yeah, no, they are obviously very fun to drive, and uh, it's motivating just to see them and hear them for someone who is a car enthusiast. But yeah, that's kind of kind of started out being my main goal was purchasing the car. Uh, but yeah, as you said, I slightly conflicting. I really do like the fire movement and sort of want to retire early so that's a little bit conflicting as to whether or not i may ever achieve that car yeah we could just reframe it right retire early but retire early in a supercar for you yeah <laughs> that's right that sounds good <laughs> when did you start having that desire to buy a sports car as i said i had skylines when i was younger and then really didn't think a supercar would be achievable uh, at that time, probably around the age of like 20, 21 would have been when I really started to realize that it, it actually may be possible uh, if I knuckle down and invest right and, you know, do the, all the right things with the money that we have. So, yeah, I'd say around the age of 20 
was when I sort of, you know, really wanted to get that car and actually realised that it would be possible based off the research that I'd done on, you know, other people achieving similar type goals. Does your wife have any, we call it a BHAG, like a big, hairy, audacious goal out there like a sports car, or is she, she along for the ride to get you one of those two so she can just ride along with you or she can drive it and you can ride in the passenger seat? Uh, she she's very supportive of uh, me getting a supercar. Um, she's sort of gets uh, sick of hearing me talk about it. She says, Just go buy one, hurry up and get one. But, uh, she's pretty happy. She likes the fire movement. She likes the idea of me being able to retire because uh, my work is very uh, time-consuming and demanding. Um, she's happy to work. So, yeah, she doesn't really have a massive goal. She just really wants to spend as much time, I guess, as we can together as a family. Uh, we have two boys, uh, three and five, um, and basically, yeah, just holidays, I guess, travel and try to explore the world. Hey, you're going to have to get you one of those Porsches or, or an Aston Martin. It's got four seats if you got two boys to take around, too. Yeah, that's right. Or, bra- or get a babysitter. <laughs> or get a babysitter. <laughs> that works, too. That works, too. That's awesome. So this interest in personal finance Obviously, you've you've been thinking about some of your goals and dreams for for quite some time. What was the conversation like with your wife as you were one sharing with her your your, your hopes and dreams and you know your interest in finance? Was she on board with you, or did it take some time to to kind of merge all that together? Uh, that took a lot of time and effort. Obviously, you know, being you know, in your early twenties and trying to save money and work towards investing and being um, frugal, I guess, is a good word. Uh, that was very difficult uh, for her to accept. Um, you know, friends were buying new cars and going on holidays and they've been to Europe and been to the US and all those sorts of things. And I was sort of um, putting all those things on the back burner and just saying, look, you know, one day we'll be able to do that and it'll be very comfortable. It'll be much easier you know, in the later years, you know, sort of, um, you know, obviously we're in a pretty comfortable position now where we could go on a trip and it's not a financial strain and we could probably do a trip a bit more comfortable than our friends were doing in their early 20s. Uh, but yeah, it was a very difficult uh, discussion, very difficult time to sort of stay motivated and even to keep myself motivated. You know, it just had that sort of bit of a strain. Um, you just sort of want to give up at times and stop saving and start spending and buy a new car and go on the holidays but i just uh had this drive to get that car that i just couldn't accept failure it was it's for me it's not an option it's a must so what was it that kept you going basically the just the drive to get to a a financial position where we could afford to do basically whatever we want and purchase that car yeah to be honest and, and how old were you when you became a millionaire? 28. And did that happen sooner or later or about when you thought it would? I mean, obviously, that's really quick. Yeah, I would say it happened sooner. Kind of didn't even realize that it had happened, to be honest, uh, when we crossed that the million-dollar mark. Um, and I actually didn't tell anyone for quite some time, not even my wife. She didn't, she didn't know. <laughs> I was a little bit worried about how she'd take it. And she'd just be like, that's it, let's go on a holiday, let's spend the money, let's do this, you know. So I was a little bit concerned about telling her, so she didn't find out for quite some time. And then is that what she said when you told her? No, <laughs> she actually took it pretty well, and she was like, oh, yeah, that's that's good. 
and then that was sort of it. I was uh, expecting more, but she's just obviously really trusting with uh, the financial decisions that I've made for us. And yeah, we're, we're both very comfortable and happy with where we are, I guess. Yeah. So do other people know that you're a millionaire? Uh, very few people. Uh, a couple of people that I trust uh, that I've shared some information with, but basically nobody, to be honest, nobody outside a very small circle. Our family doesn't really know. You know, they may they may have their own thoughts and opinions, uh, but um, yeah, no one really knows. Hence, why I, I sort of tried. I've tried to, um, you know, I've started that uh, average millionaire Facebook page, basically to try and share my journey and encourage other people, uh, but keep it anonymous uh, due to the fact that I've at times I've been met with uh, negativity when talking to people about finances. Yeah, so mention that again. I mean, normally I plug it at the end, but a Facebook page called Average Millionaire where people can connect, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Okay. So I've basically tell a bit about uh, what I'm doing each month, uh, where we're at financially, um, what our plans are, and yeah, a little bit of information about what we're doing. So what does this mean for you now career-wise, Tyson? I mean, if you're at one point, what, eight, nine, um, Australian 1.3 USD. Does that mean you're going to slow down working as an electrician or do you have a specific number you want to get to? I probably want to sort of keep doing the hours and the job that I'm doing at least probably for the next sort of five years. I mean, you know, working for the government, it's uh, pretty comfortable, uh, pretty secure and decent money. So I'm probably happy to do it for another five years. Also, I do commute. Uh, it's a pretty big commute, generally about an hour to an hour and a half each way, which is horrible. Wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably keep doing it for about five years and then look at uh, maybe sort of doing like half the hours that I'm doing at the moment. So I'm basically doing about 40-hour weeks, but if I could – 40 to 50 I'm doing at the moment, sorry. And if I can slim that down half, that would be awesome. Yeah. What's been your range of household income? So when I f- – Got the job initially. I think I would have started on about, I think it was fifteen to twenty thousand a year. I'm now currently in the position I'm in. I think my last year was about one hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy thousand. Wow, good for you. Uh, this and what year, about your wife? She probably ranged between twenty to sixty thousand. Would have been at her peak. Um, since having the kids, she's dropped back to probably around fifteen thousand a year. All right. So together you got up over 200. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, probably. Good for you. Good for you. And and what about household spending annually? We we spend around about $100,000 a year. Basically, that would be, uh, that sort of covers everything. That's any trips that we do, any sort of small holidays that we can do, um, all our you know, car expenses, living expenses. Um, we're currently renting. Uh, that covers our rent. Yeah, that pretty much covers everything, about 100000 a year. Interesting to have three rental properties and be renting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we call it rent vesting. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term, but um, no, I haven't. Explain it. Yeah, so rent vesting is basically purchasing a property to, with the intention of it being an investment property, and renting yourself somewhere that you would like to live, uh, because generally, you know, you may not be able to afford a property where you'd like to live. Yeah, the main reason we actually are renting at the moment was to get into a different school district and obviously the lifestyle, we're pretty close to the water uh, where we are and 
Yeah, so. So uh, you mentioned the lifestyle just there. So as the net worth and the income has grown, has the lifestyle increased as well? Are you spending more now than you did? Yeah, definitely. I don't think if we could go back a couple of years, I don't think we were spending $100,000 a year. Uh, we're definitely living very comfortable at the moment. You know, like I said, you know, part of our goal has been to sort of live how we want. Uh, we sort of, you know, we don't hold back. If we want to go out for dinner, we'll go out for dinner. If we, you know, want to purchase something, whether it's, a, you know, like a new push bike or new shoes, you know, I upgrade my Apple iPhone every year and, you know, silly things like that. We just do it now. We're in a comfortable position where we can basically do that. Yeah. So you did this mainly, Tyson, correct me if I'm wrong here. Let me just make sure I understand. So you did this here in about six years, right? So 22 to age 28, you hit millionaire at 28. You bought the first rental property just from saving up money. I assume you bought the second and third by doing the same. You were both working. This is, was it before you had kids and you just kind of saved up the money, bought one, saved up the money, bought a second, saved up the money, bought a third? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's basically it. So how did you do it? so quickly if someone were to say hey how'd you do this before age 30 you're 28 years old you have three rental properties you're at 1.8 australian 1.3 usd how did you do this what two or three things would you say really stuck out for you don't spend money on things that aren't necessary i guess like saving live a little bit frugal look for an investment that you're comfortable with you know property may not be for everyone perhaps shares may be the go for some people personally uh, obviously, in, in Australia, like I said, everyone's pretty comfortable with property and you can leverage a lot of the bank's money uh, to to make those purchases. But yeah, basically, we lived pretty frugally in the beginning and just saved hardcore and purchased a property. And as you said, saved, purchased a property, saved and purchased a property. And yeah, just keep that goal inside, I guess, and yeah. work towards it. What was your upbringing like, and and did that affect how your relationship with money? Uh, I think so. Yeah. So both my wife and I grew up in very probably lower middle class families, where you know the if I had a pair of Reeboks or a pair of Nikes, it was because they were secondhand. If we went to you know the cinemas to see a movie, it was because we had vouchers uh, for you know, like half price movies. So definitely probably lower middle class bringing up upbringing with myself and my wife but in saying that like i didn't want for anything uh, obviously uh, we both come from loving families which is great has the money made you happier uh, i wouldn't say money makes you happier but it definitely helps you uh, be more comfortable i guess i don't know how to word that but yeah 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 Money definitely doesn't buy happiness, but it's easy to say that when you've got a lot of money, I think. <laughs> um, not not to say that I've got a lot of money, but uh, it definitely makes life a little bit more comfortable. And there's a lot of things that we don't stress about and don't worry about because we know we obviously have uh, a bit of money behind us if anything was to happen. Yeah, so I think we we talked about this just briefly, but do you have a net worth goal? Uh, not particularly. More a, a passive income goal, really. Um, We'll continue to grow our net worth, I guess, as much as we have to, to reach the passive income goal. Um, I'd love to see, you know, 10 million net worth as an example. But um, if we don't achieve that, I would just be happy with the passive income of, say, $200,000 a year.
All right, let me wrap up here with a couple rapid fire questions and then we'll go into some last words of advice. So uh, do you budget? Uh, no. Okay, do you, have you ever used a financial advisor? Uh, I've attempted to a couple times, but uh, didn't really like it. Okay, do you do your own taxes? I'm not sure what tax returns are like there. Do you do your own taxes or do you hire it out? Uh, pay someone to do it just because it's too difficult. Because of the rental properties? Yeah, properties and shares and yeah, it's too much. Okay, how many? How much does it cost you? I'm just curious. Uh, about $150, $200. Oh, that's, not, that's cheap, man. That is very cheap, yeah. 75, 100 bucks or something USD. Yeah, that's really cheap. Uh, how much? How many hours of TV do you watch a week? Uh, probably too much. Probably, say, eight hours a week, 10 hours a week. Okay. Uh, any books or products you recommend? Uh, Google. <laughs> that's where you've um, learned most of it, huh? Yeah, I just Google everything and try to read, uh, use free resources. Uh, being frugal, I uh, have uh, opted for not purchasing books and trying to read as much free information as I can. Okay, any debt besides what you have on the real estate? Uh, no. Okay, and what's the most you've ever spent on a car? Because I know you want your you want your nice one. What's the most yeah. you spent today? Uh, twenty two thousand for an SUV for my wife. All right, so about fifteen thousand USD. So, just wrapping up here, Tyson. I mean, I, I I asked you a little bit what two or three things drove this, but what would be your last words of advice? I know you've done obviously phenomenal well, phenomenally well. No big mistakes, I don't think, unless you can mention something. But what would be the last words of advice to people listening to this? How were you able to do it so quickly? Invest in what you feel comfortable with. Uh, don't go overboard. Do your research. Definitely do research. Yeah, um, work hard save yeah. <laughs> always yeah. always try to appreciate family time i guess that's very important to myself and my wife cool cool well tyson thanks for coming on again everybody you can connect with him average millionaire on facebook so net worth of, of about 1.9 aus 1.3 usd so thanks again tyson fun interview awesome thank you very much thanks for listening to the millionaires unveiled podcast with clark sheffield and chase mantinson For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.